You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Yeah, so anyway, good to be here. So we're kind of wrapping up, getting close to wrapping up Bible study season, (laughs) as if there was one. Uh, Yeah, I know. We may do some stuff in the summer. I don't know. There are a number of reasons we usually don't. Um, But anyway, so I'm going to teach tonight and then Annie will take next week and then we'll take a break and see when we come back. Usually starting in May and then into the summer, you know, people get pretty scattered and it looks like this in here. (laughs) So not that you guys aren't worth it. It's awesome. But anyway, we may do some other things. I'd really like to we say this every year at this time that we'd really like to do some evening, you know, campfires out here. And, and uh, of course, last year we didn't dare light a match, but, you know, <laughs> anyway, do a little worship. And, yeah, Gunnison Mountain Park, that was always good. Yeah. And that would give you even farther to drive home, so that would yeah. be, <laughs> be good. Yeah. All right, well, let's, <clears throat> let's go to Romans chapter 1. Just you're all sitting down, so it'll be okay to say this. I have more stuff than I think I can probably get through tonight, so that's unusual, but I won't be here next week. This is called Bible study. Uh, it's it's called calling and separation. Calling and separation. Okay. So basically I want to talk to you about what when the Bible talks about God calling people and how we respond to the call of God. And then there's this idea that goes along with that uh, where Paul addresses that talks about being separated to the call. And they're kind of two different things. So I felt like we should talk about this tonight. So I want to go over to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. And then we're going to go straight to Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. And then I'll give you some thoughts on this. Uh, but in Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Paul says, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. And the NIV says, and set apart for the gospel of God. Some of your translations there say separated unto the gospel of God. Uh, the NIV and a number of others say set apart. And that's the idea of separation. So, so he says he was called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. All right, so that's Romans 1.1. 1, 1. And then another example of this is Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. It says, But when God, who set me apart from birth, called me by his grace, was... Wait, did I read that right? But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man. And and he goes on, and we'll talk about some of that later tonight. But in this case... He, he says he was set apart from birth and called. And both of those things, the God's call on his life and this separating unto the call, both of those things were by grace. So neither of these things are earned. Neither of these things are merited. They all come through the grace of God. Okay, so we, we hear this a lot. We talk about it a lot. We, you know, people say... I, you know, I'm called to this or called to that. And I think that we, <clears throat> I think we fall on both ends of that. I think we overstate the idea of calling sometimes. And I think we understate it sometimes. I think we, um, some, uh, a lot of times I think we believe that calling only refers to somebody who's called to full-time ministry or one of the five-fold ministry offices that we've talked about over in Ephesians chapter 4. So we kind of exempt ourselves from the verses about calling and separation because, well, calling, that's, those people are called, I'm not called. And calling, the call of God in our life is a much broader term than that. Sometimes people elevate the term in that way to where it really doesn't have any meaning for their life but it does have meaning for all of our lives and we need to know how to respond to it if we're, if we're going to fulfill um, the will of God for our life. So the other way that gets handled is sometimes people use the term, we overuse the term to just spiritualize any whim that we might have, you know, and we say, well, God's called me to do this, you know, and, and sometimes that really gets uh, abused to the point where... Um, 
Sometimes it's used to sort of elevate themselves, make themselves appear spiritual in somebody else's eyes. Well, God called me to do this or that. And sometimes it's used uh, in, in the context of, I don't like this church anymore, so I'm going to go to that church. So somebody, you know, so I got called to do that, or I, I don't feel like doing this job anymore, so I've got call. God's calling me to do this when it's really not true that God called them. So, and then that's the thing. I mean, it's it's hard for us to necessarily judge that. And I'm not even saying we should, but we shouldn't do that <laughs> in our own lives. If God didn't say it, don't call it the calling of God. And so, so some people use that because they don't want to be a part of the body anymore. They want to go out and do some Lone Ranger thing, you know, and what's Chris Valentin's deal? <clears throat> Lone Rangers become weird strangers or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so it's just, you know, it just speaks of somebody who separates themselves from the body of Christ, usually because they're way more spiritual than all of us. And, uh, you know, goes off and does their own thing. And really it's because they don't want to be under any accountability and that kind of thing. So anyway, so so the term gets misused in some of those those ways. But I I think the main thing is that we've got to understand that when, whenever it talks about calling, it does to apply to different things. It does apply to people who are called to the ministry, but I believe it really also, there, there is a call on everybody's life. And even, you know, I use this term full-time ministry all the time. We use it to differentiate because we're all called to ministry and we're all called to, to serve in the local church. We're called to reach the lost. We're called to all those things. And, um, but really, I mean, we're all in full-time ministry someplace, whether it's serving in the church or, or in a mission organization or whatever, or whether it's in a vocation through which we we should be looking to expand the kingdom. I mean, that's what we're all called to do ultimately. Whatever you do as a vocation, it's really not the most important thing in your life. The important thing is how God works through you in that vocation. So so I think it's important for us to realize that on the one hand, it is, it is a broad term and it can be used in, in a lot of different ways. But the scripture says in Romans uh, 8.28, which, you know, m- most of most of you uh, can quote, it says that, that calling is according to purpose. That calling is according to purpose. Okay, it, it uh, what does Romans 8.28 say? I know this verse normally. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And that's an important idea because calling is always related to God's purpose for you, God's design for you. His call is is going to be related uh, to that purpose, to his plan, to his design for an individual. Okay, so it's always going to be related. He's not going to call you to something that he didn't design you for. At the same time, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, we may feel and probably are he doesn't he doesn't only call us according to what we're qualified to do in fact a lot of times he calls us to something we're really not equipped or qualified to do so that he can qualify and equip us and through grace empower us to do something we couldn't do our, on our own and then we have to step into something that we have to do by faith because we don't have the skills or the talents to do it. So I also think it's a mistake. I guess I'm listing mistakes. Um, I also think it's a mistake for us to think about, oh, well, that person, you know, has this, that person is a good musician. Okay. Just as an example, that doesn't mean they're called to lead worship. That's a, that's a calling. That's a specific calling and gifting. Uh, So, so what God calls us to is not necessarily our natural talents and abilities. Okay, he may call us to do some. I mean, you know, I'm a good example of that. I have had no need, no desire, no ability to stand in front of people and teach the Bible. But once God calls you to do it, then there's an equipping that comes with it to be able to do it. You still have to step out in faith, though. You still have to get out there and do the thing. But it, but it does. It is always related to his uh, design and his purpose for people, okay? Um, So, well, let me say this. I think also, another mistake we make, (laughs) is when I I say that um, 
God a lot of times calls people who are unable or, or not qualified or um, certainly in the world's eyes, I even think of somebody like David. I mean, he was the last one picked by people. You know, he was the little short kid that was out with the sheep. God called him to be king because of what was in his heart. So a lot of times that, that outward part, you know, it's, it's, we don't have the ability to carry out what God calls us to do. And again, I think God calls us that way often because he wants to pour his ability through us. He wants it to be him and he wants us to have to do it by faith. However, I think we over-spiritualize that idea sometimes. And so some some people think that, well, God's only going to call me to do the thing that I'm the worst at. That's not necessarily true either. Yeah, or the thing I hate. Yeah, you hear that a lot. If I give myself, and that's a bummer because people will avoid God because of that because they think, well, he's going to send me to the worst place, whatever the, you know, going to send me to the place I'd hate to be the most because he's going to, you know, that's, that it doesn't work that way either. Okay, so here's what calling is. Let's, we've talked about what it isn't. Um, calling is a sense of divine invitation into some aspect of God's will and purpose for your life. Okay, it can be to a, a certain act of, a certain kind of service, an office, a vocation through which you're going to minister to people. Um, it, it can be to any of those types of things. Um, the term... Let's see if I'm the term itself as as used in the scripture, the word that's translated called or calling, it's a combination of an invitation to a feast or a wedding feast or something like that, to a to a party, to a feast, to something like that. It's an invitation and it's a summons from the king. So it has this combined meaning to it. When God begins to call us to something, it's an invitation to his empowering, to, to uh, getting to know him better, to stepping out into something where you can see God move. It's, it's all of that. It's an invitation. It's also a summons. So it does carry the weight of accountability. And it does carry, I think we are accountable over what we do with what God calls us to. And don't worry, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, how we need to respond to all of that in a, in a minute. But, so it is this invitation, but it's also, um, it, it has this accountability to it. And Romans eleven twenty nine says that God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. And, and it just means God isn't going to change his mind about it whether we accept it or refuse it or ignore it or whatever we do, God's not going to, to um, change his mind about it. it. It says there in other translations, it says that God's call is without repentance. In other words, God's not going to change his mind. He's not going to revoke that call. And, and so the idea is there that once we understand that God's calling us to something, we are, I believe we're responsible for it, not for making it happen, but for saying yes at that point and letting the Lord begin to build us into that ministry or whatever it is, to stepping out and whatever. It might be starting a new business. It might be, you know, any number of things, but it is something according to his divine purpose for it and we are accountable to it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, Ephesians 4 1 says, as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. To live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Okay, so so a, a call from God is a serious thing. It is something that, and, and um, the, the term is used in all of these ways and, and more. I'm just going to give you a few, so you kind of get the broad aspect of this. Um, you know, we just read two scriptures where Paul said he was called to be an apostle, and we see other verses like that where people were called into certain offices or certain ministries, okay? So there is that level to it. But over in Romans chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, okay, Romans 1, 6 and 7, in fact, 
I think I'm probably right there, aren't I? Not anymore. Romans 1, 6 and 7, we see two more things. It says, and you also, so he's just writing to the church in Rome now. So he's just writing to believers here. You also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So every believer, there's a calling, there's an invitation and a summons on our hearts to give our lives to Jesus Christ. So that's a very basic level of calling, but that's, that's called a calling, okay, in the scripture. So you are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And verse seven says, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Okay, and the word saints means people who are separated unto God's purposes. So this includes everybody. This includes everybody. Everybody is called to believe. And everybody, those of us who believe, we're called to live a life separated unto God and his purposes. So every one of us have a calling on our life. Because even if you think about that, you know, called to live a life according to his purposes. Well, you know, that I guess on the surface that doesn't sound like very much. But to live a life separated unto him, that I'm invited and summoned to do that. That changes everything about my life. That changes the whole direction of my life. Changes how I live my life and how I make choices and what I do with my time and my money and my family and all of that stuff. So we are all called, we are summoned, we are invited up into a life that's aligned with God's will for our lives. Okay, um, Jesus called people to become his disciples. And then later they were called to be apostles. So when that call first went out, he just called them to come follow him. That was, the, that was the call. And so it was very basic, very simple. As they followed him, that call got deeper and that assignment got deeper and the responsibility of it got deeper. And so there are levels of calling for, I think for each of it, I think that's how God does it. I think he does it in stages. That's sure been our experience. And that's part of the, the idea with calling and separation is that God may call you to something. You may sense in your heart, know in your heart that, wow, God's calling me to such and such. It may be, and we'll look at examples if we have time tonight, it may be many years before he separates you to that. There should be a time span between calling and the time you're actually set apart or sent out into whatever, released into whatever that is, because that is a time span in which we uh, exercise faithfulness and seek God and he builds our character so that we can handle what he's separating us to. So most of the time, and, and this again is a mistake that a lot of people make, they, they sense a call in their life and they think, I need to be doing it right now. This is it. Everybody needs to see it and recognize it and, and I need to be out doing it right now. And it's a legitimate call on their life, but the, that's not the point of separation yet. And that's why these two go together. And that's why Paul talks about them together. And they're both really important. I don't know what she's doing back there. It's okay. Um, is this making any sense to you? Okay. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 30, it says that those that God predestined, that means he knew them ahead of time, and made a plan according to his foreknowledge. The verse before that says, in his foreknowledge, he predestined us. And so uh, without getting into a whole thing on predestination, it doesn't mean God has written in stone what you're going to do. And no matter what happens, you're going to fulfill that. It just means he knew you ahead of time and he created a plan for you. He set the table for you, put everything in place for you to be able to fulfill that plan. That's what predestined means in a nutshell in the scripture. So he says those he predestined, so he has a plan, he also called, okay? Those he called, he also justified. We talked about what that means on Sunday. He declared them clean. They, you know, they came to him. He declared them uh, to be not guilty. He brought them into right relationship with himself. Those he justified, he also glorified. And this term glorified right here means to invest with special dignity. It means to honor by promoting to an honorable position. Okay, so he calls them, he justifies them, and then he begins to 
<coughs> excuse me, honor them or promote them to the position that he has called them to. That word means to elevate, to higher authority and responsibility. And we know to whom much is given, much, much is also required. Okay. So God has a plan. He calls us to it. We're born again. We come to know him. And we think about the Apostle Paul's life. <clears throat> he said, God set me apart from my mother's womb. And I'll just lay this out because I don't know if we'll have time to get to all of it tonight. He says in the one place, from my mother's womb. So he, he means God had this plan before Paul was born. God had this plan for his life. He set, and, and it was by grace. It wasn't by him meriting it. Then God, at a point in his life, called him. And we know that happened on the road to Damascus. And he had this encounter with Jesus Christ. And it was dramatic, right? And it totally changed the direction of his life. And hopefully we'll look at those scriptures in a few minutes. There's a lot there. And it totally changed the direction of his life. And so this call went out, well, it was 14 years later before he, before that point where he said, he separated me too. He separated me to this ministry. It was 14 years in between of him just being faithful and doing what the Lord was leading him to do and getting to know the Lord. He had to be born again to fulfill the call of God on his life. So that was the first thing. The Lord had to, had to bring him into knowing himself. And that was the first part of the call on his life. So I guess I'm saying all that just to say, I think in all of our lives, we need to recognize God is leading us along a path that he has predetermined. But again, that doesn't just mean that you can't get off the path. You certainly can. You can ignore the path. You can go the opposite way on the path. You can, he doesn't force us to do it all the way along. We have choices to make about following him. And so that's what our part is. And I, and I do want to give you a little bit about that tonight. Our, our part as we, um, God's call is only going to be fulfilled as we recognize it, number one, and we accept it. And then through relationship with Jesus, we grow into it and are released to it. We've got to, first of all, we've got to recognize it. And we recognize what he's calling us to just through fellowship with him and learning to hear his voice, learning to listen to what he's saying. And, and I think some of the simplest things that if, if we're just following the simple steps that he gives us, we will get to those places where there's maybe a more, a more solid or dramatic or it doesn't have to be dramatic, but I mean something that, you know, a step, another step to another thing those happen throughout our life, but we've got to, we recognize that call. We sense what he's saying to us, the invitation he's giving us, the place, the direction that he's drawing us to. We recognize that through fellowship with him. So it's really pretty simple, you know, it is we need to be spending time with him. And through that, we'll find his calling, okay? And then we accept his calling through a prayer that's called consecration or dedication, which is basically saying yes to God. It's, it's committing yourself in prayer. Yes, Lord, that terrifies me. I have no idea how I could do that, you know, but I can sense you calling me to this. And I can sense your pleasure in it. And so, yes, I'm giving myself to it. I will, I will do what you're asking me to do, you just got to show me how to do it, you know, but you're making this step of consecration and dedication. And that's really important. It's, it's really important. I think that every time we sense God calling us to something, we have the choice to accept it, to ignore it, or to reject it. And either ignore or reject gets us going the wrong direction. And it, and it kind of gets harder and harder too to discern what he's saying. Because usually if we reject or, or ignore it, you know, it's out of fear or it's out of uh, just wanting to do, maybe sort of rebellion, just wanting to do our own thing, whatever. So usually we start to justify why we're not doing what God has asked us to do. And whenever we start self-justifying, then we get into self-deception and, and it gets to be, really confusing as to what God is saying for people. So the best, simplest thing to do is just say yes. <laughs> just say yes. Okay. Don't run out and try and make it happen. Just say yes. Okay. So we need to recognize it. We need to accept it. And then we fulfill his calling just by continuing to seek him and follow him 
and embrace the steps. You know, usually he'll show us something out here that he wants us to do. And at least for me, it's always been like, really? You know, I mean, that, that was not in, even in me before. But then there are all these little steps to get you there. If you just say yes, you don't have to run out and do it today. You don't even have to figure out how to do it. You just have to say yes. And then he will begin to build in or draw out in you um, what needs what he needs for that situation. Does that make sense? That's pretty simple. So I think there and that so I think there are these two questions that always have to be asked and answered at a point of calling, at a point where you sense God calling you to something. And and the first one, in fact, let, let me read these verses to you first. Uh, this is Acts chapter nine, beginning in verse four. This is where Paul was called, Saul was called on the road uh, to Damascus where the Lord confronted him. He was out there killing Christians. He was dragging them off to jail and, and killing them. And Jesus, he had this encounter with with Jesus on the road. And it says in verse four, he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And the first thing Saul asked was, who are you, Lord? And I think that's a question that we always need to ask at points of calling. Not that we don't know Jesus, but we, at any point of new calling, there's more revelation of another aspect of him that is going to empower us to do whatever that call is. So there's this pressing into intimacy and saying, Lord, you need to show me yourself. Anything that we're going to do of any value, any ministry of any value has got to come from knowing him. It's got to come out of intimacy with him. It's got to be birthed out of that relationship. So at that point of calling, it's, it's always about, Lord, show me yourself more. Show me what your heart is in this. Show me how to do this. Build into me the, your character to do this. So, so Saul asked, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. And he replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So I just think we got to ask those two questions. Who are you, Lord? What do you, what do you need to show me of yourself in this situation? And what must I do? What's my next step? You know, and again, I really think this is a place where a lot of people make a mistake because they do have a sense in their heart. Sometimes, sometimes we mistake just something that we want for the call of God. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. But, but a lot of times I, I think people do hear, they are being drawn a certain direction, but they just jump out to do it. They just feel and they get really upset if you don't just immediately thrust them into the position that they feel like they're called to too you know as as leadership we run into that you know and it's it's like that may be I don't know but it isn't time you know right now I don't have any witness in my heart that it's time for this and um, people get really upset about that but anyway I think it's just really important to ask Lord reveal yourself to me in this and and secondly, show me my next step. Show me what I need to do. And that's what Jesus gave Paul his next steps, which was is really interesting. If you read through his deal in Acts, and then he talks about it over in Galatians, he tells the Galatian church about it. He did everything backwards from what you would expect somebody to do. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, he went into town from this point and a regular believer, not an apostle or anybody came. God sent just a regular believer to go to him, lay hands on him, pray for him. He received his sight and then he heads off. He didn't go to Jerusalem and he makes a big deal about this in Galatians because, I mean, that would be the, that'd be uh, the Bethel Bible College, you know, of the day. It was like, oh yeah, you go to Jerusalem, you hang out with James and John and Peter and you, you know, or, or yeah, you go to that, you go to the church in Jerusalem where James, the half-brother of Jesus is the pastor and you start handing out your ministry cards, you know, because I've been called on the road to Damascus, you know, and, and whatever, you, you, you know, it, he didn't do any of that. He went off into Arabia and just spent time with the Lord, growing in the Lord. For 14 years, and for, for several years. And then at one point, I think it was, I can't remember if it was nine years. It was a long time. He finally did go up to Jerusalem, but he, only, he was only there for a short time and he only met uh, Peter. He didn't meet any of the others. So he wasn't pursuing it 
in the way that a lot of us pursue the call of God these days. And he just let the Lord build into him who he was supposed to be. And he was entirely, it didn't even make any sense. You would think that Paul, because of his schooling in the law and everything, would be the one that would get sent to the Jews, not to the Gentiles. And that Peter would be the one that would get sent to the Gentiles, you know. God didn't do it that way. It's not the way he called them, you know. And and they both followed their, you know, the, what the Lord was leading them to do. So anything we're going to do, it's got to be birthed out of that intimacy with him. Otherwise, it's just going to be dead. It's it's just going to be um, our works. But I really believe we find and fulfill God's will for our lives, which is really what this is about through a series of personal encounters with the Lord and that he leads us along. I've always... To me, when somebody feels called to something that's just completely out of the blue, I mean, God's never spoken to them about it before. Um, It's just completely out of the blue. One of two things, either they're wrong and have missed it, or it's that point where God's showing you something totally new, but it's probably going to be a long time before you step into it. Something's going on there. To me, and again, this is just my experience, but there's been a just a real set series of things, even in the jobs that we had before God called us to the ministry. I mean, I spent a lot of time in customer service jobs, you know, helping angry people become not angry. I don't know why I didn't get better at it, but, <laughs> but you know, there was a lot of that that's been really important in the ministry, being able to let people go off and not get all, you know, freaked out about it and and try and help them find a solution. And, you know, there were just a lot of things along the way that that really I know now were part of the training for ministry. And at that time, it was just, it was just my job. You know, it had nothing to do with anything. But, but primarily, it's just been for both of us in our personal time with the Lord. And then there would come a point where the Lord revealed something that was his plan for us that we hadn't seen before. And we would uh, step into that. But all of those encounters reveal some aspect of his nature and there's an equipping that comes in those encounters. And when I say encounters, it doesn't have to be, you know, getting struck down blind in the middle of the road to Damascus. It doesn't, you know, it's those, I honestly, I think those encounters that we have in our prayer time, those encounters that we have, the, the revelation that we get sitting in church, that's, that's the stuff. To me, that's the stuff. That if we'll just say yes to it every time and let God build on it, that's what leads us into wherever He's taking us. And again, we always have that choice, you know, embrace, ignore, reject, you know, we we always have that. One thing I've seen over the years, though, is if you do, if you ignore or reject the call of God, the leading of the Lord on your life, you're going to be miserable. You're going to lack peace in your life. You're going to lack direction. You're going to be agitated. It's not going to be fun. It's resisting his calling. He doesn't beat you up about it, but you don't feel satisfied. You don't feel peace because, you know, we really find that in what he's calling us to do. So I want to get into um, separation, but let me just talk to you about just as an example. So what happened with us, we were, we had been, you know, we were born again. We got married. We went to church. We went to church, you know, every every time the doors were open, we were involved in all of that. And we had absolutely no thought of being in the ministry. In, any, in fact, it would have been very, uh, I, I didn't want anything to do with the ministry. I appreciated what Marshall and Cindy were doing, but I didn't want to, do, I didn't want to have anything to do with that. So no thought of that in our thoughts. Um, but, And I was trying to think this through this morning. I was thinking, so what was the deal? But I guess if I were looking at us from where I stand now, I probably, we were serious about God. We did start going to Bible school when we had no intention of going in the ministry. They had Bible school at the church. We went because we wanted more of the word. So there probably was an intensity because I can tell now that Marshall was recognizing some things. He didn't know what it was or what was on us, but 
but they were our pastors were recognizing some things but i never would have thought that time but if i but if i were looking at a congregation there are people that show up on a tuesday night like this those kind of people uh that are obviously hungry and i guess we were there i could say that about us we we were hungry for the things of god we loved the word we loved worship we wanted to be there all the time so we so we were in that place but we went to we had moved to durango we went and Marshall and Cindy invited us to come to a minister's conference, and we weren't ministers. They just knew we were starving spiritually in Durango. And um, so they invited us to come down to this conference at Believer Center. And so, so we went down there, and we were just at this conference, and there was one evening meeting where uh, Bob Yandian was teaching. He's a pastor from Tulsa, if you're not familiar with him, great teacher. And during that meeting, the Lord just suddenly said to me, you can do that. And it was like, you know, but as soon as he said it, I felt like I could do that. And it was just there. It hadn't been there before, but then it was there. And it wasn't, oh, gee, I'd like to do that. Oh, gee, I wish I was up there. There was none of that. It was just in the middle of the meeting, watching Bob Andian teach, he said, you can do that. And at the same time, and we didn't know all this till later, the Lord was dealing with Karen's heart about worship. And at that time at Believer Center, Pastor Marshall, I mean, he, he taught most of the time, but his wife, Cindy, is a fabulous teacher of the word. She's more of a, more of a teacher than she is a pastor. And he's more of a pastor. He's a great teacher too. But anyway, that's the way it works in them. Marshall at that time had been leading worship there for a long time, which he's never thought he did a good job with it, but it was wonderfully anointed worship at the time. So anyway, at the end of it, they invited people to come up for this altar call. Well, it's a bunch of ministers, you know, it wasn't us, but we both, and we didn't even, we didn't, we got to talk about this later, about what happened that night. We didn't get to discuss it ahead of time. There were a bunch of ministers up there praying for people and a bunch of ministers up there getting prayed for we both knew we had to go up and get prayed for. And I felt like I had to have Cindy pray for me uh, and for that teaching gift. And Karen felt like she had to have Marshall pray for her for that worship anointing. And, and there were a lot, you just got in line. You didn't get to pick who prayed for you, you know. But we ended up there with me getting prayed for by Cindy and her getting prayed for by Marshall. And I, we both know that that is where the call to ministry, we still didn't know what that was going to look like, but that's where it happened. So, so all those components were there. It was something that God spoke. It stirred something in us that, I mean, Karen had been involved in worship already. I hadn't been involved in anything, <laughs> not anything we should talk about anyway. And, uh, but that gifting, whether it was planted or sparked or whatever God did, it happened. And there was that draw to it at that point that, that night. So we went back to Durango and we got involved with the church. And that's a whole other mess that I want to talk about tonight. But um, I started studying on my days off or on at that time, a lot of days I went to work at two o'clock. So Karen was gone working. So I'd just study the word and I just wrote, I had teachings coming up and I'd just write them down. I wasn't, it was a long time later before I ever started teaching any of it, but I just started doing that. And again, I wasn't trying to earn anything. It was just there. You just had to do it, you know? And then later we went back to BCA and I was a janitor, night, you know, night school uh, director, actually at that time, Bible school director, but, but eventually taught a couple of Bible school classes. And then I uh, was asked to start doing the offering teaching, you know, and, and so, I mean, it was years and years and years. And then eventually he, Marshall gave me some Tuesday nights and Sundays and stuff like that. But I guess my whole point is, and at the same thing when we were called to Gunnison, it was two years before we actually were separated to that work. The point is, there was just this time of faithfulness and growing, and we weren't stressing out to go. We didn't think we needed to throw ourselves up in front of everybody. We were still pretty scared of the whole thing. And But it's kind of, we always talk about it. It's like, um, when I was a kid, we had a, we got a German short hair uh, puppy 
little, she was eight weeks old, and I had a softball that had a flap loose on it, and I just rolled it out for her to play with. Well, she grabs the flap, she's all smaller than the ball, and fetches it and brings it back and drops it at our feet. The instinct was in her to do that, and that's sort of what, you know, God does as he calls us to stuff. If it's not in there already, he just puts it in. He just sparks it. And so those, that bent, those desires start to come up. But, but this whole idea of separation, this setting apart unto, I think this is something that is so missed in the body of Christ. And, and we're in this, I don't know, it's just this culture and people wanting to be on stage and people wanting to be seen. And I still don't care about any of that. Neither of us care about any of that. And it's, it's, it can't be about that stuff. And it, it's, anyway, I, I don't know if I'm even, I guess I'm kind of rambling, but, but this whole idea that there's this time period that's so essential to whatever God's calling you to do being life-giving. And again, it does not have to be, I think this works in vocation the same way for people who want to use their vocation to minister to people, whether it's just their time there and the conversations they have with people or the financial end of it that they want to use uh, for ministry or whatever it is. It's the same thing. If If we're dedicated to the kingdom, God calls us to things and then there's a time period of faithfulness and just doing whatever you set your hand to do. Whatever's there to set your hand to do, you just do it. And then there's a point where he will uh, release you into whatever it is. And then he'll start calling you to something else. That's the thing. It kind of never ends. But not something different necessarily, but the, the next stage. So let's look at these verses real quick before I totally run out of time here. Acts chapter 13 Acts chapter 13, verses one through four. This is where Paul talks about this point of being separated to the work that God had called him to. Acts 13, one through four. It says, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping and fasting, The Holy Spirit said, watch this, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Okay, so set apart for me, that's present tense. Set apart for me, do this now. For the work to which I have called them, past tense. So they were called, now they're being separated. There's this time period between the two. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands. These leaders placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to whatever that is, Seleucia, and sailed from there to Cyprus. So they placed their hands on them. They, the people, the leaders, placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. So who sent them? Did the leader send them or did the Holy Spirit send them? <laughs> yes, they both working together. You know, it's the Holy Spirit's direction, but it's interesting in this separation thing, there are human beings involved in it. There are people involved in it. There's, there is, and this is another thing we miss a lot these days, there is an anointing on God-given leadership to help to recognize the call in our life and help us to grow and develop and mature and our part in being submitted, and I know it's a horrible word in our culture, but submitted to that leadership, yielded to what's going on there, uh, that's a really important part of this. And sometimes leaders see things in people that they don't see yet. I I think that's part of the anointing on the leadership. And I wrote this down today. In our day, a lot of people never find God-given leadership. You know, and that's, I did say God-given leadership, not just anybody. There are lots of great leaders out there, but they might not be yours. They might not be mine. They're wonderful, but I'm not called to be in their flow necessarily. Um, A lot of people never find God-given leadership because they either refuse to be planted they just won't be planted. They just want to go from here to there to there and they don't want to be 
submitted, yielded to the anointing and the and the flow in in somebody's life. They just, you know, we're we're a rebellious nation. <laughs> and so we don't like doing that. People refuse authority. They won't set themselves under a leadership, or they will set themselves under a leader who was never called to be a leader. And that can be a real problem. So there are all these things going on. So a lot of people never find God-given leadership. But if you find God-given leadership where you feel this is where God's, this is, and I believe most of this is local church stuff. That's where God grows us up, local church. You know, then we need to be planted. We need to let ourselves be planted. It doesn't mean he'll never move you. But man, until he does, don't move. Don't uproot. Okay, so those leaders in Antioch, they didn't create Paul's calling. They didn't, uh, they didn't assign him this job to go do this. They recognized what the Holy Spirit was doing on their life and they agreed with it. But when we do that, when we lay hands on somebody, when we agree with, we, and we can see what God's doing in their life, I believe personally there's a greater, there's a multiplied anointing in that. And I believe that we, that's like for us, I, I still, we haven't been uh, physically attending Believer Center of Albuquerque since 1996, but we have always been under the spiritual umbrella of Believer Center of Albuquerque. Those people are still our pastors. That church is still our home church. And, and I believe that has given us protection. It has, we are, uh, what I want to say, it's in order. It's in God's order of things. Marshall and Cindy don't, you know, they don't direct what we do. They don't make decisions unless we ask. And even then they won't make decisions. It's just a matter, you know, they'll give us advice. We beg, but so it's not that it's this spiritual flow. It's this, people call it covering. And it's just really important. And that's what I see here in these verses in Acts is Paul and and all of, all of them were under this. They were part of that church in Antioch. And so there was this laying on of hands. And that I think there, through that agreement, there's this covering, there's this protection, there's this coming under an authority structure that God has designed. And they were released and they went out and just did incredible ministry. Okay. Um, so we already, we already talked about this and I'm going to wrap this up. But we talked about Galatians chapter 1 verses 15 through 17. And that's where Paul is talking about his whole thing and said, uh, we read those, that he, he was set apart from birth and God called me by his grace. And, and you know, he, he didn't, he went into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. He didn't go up to Jerusalem. He didn't see those people, all this stuff. So from God's perspective, Saul was called and set apart from his mother's womb. Okay, and it took that um, encounter with Jesus on the road to bring him to that point of that calling that was specific. Another interesting thing to me is <clears throat> he was set apart from his mother's womb, okay? Paul, Saul, was a very zealous Jew before he got born again. There was something burning in him to serve God. And he was doing it the only way he knew how, which happened to be killing Christians, <laughs> at the time, which was off the mark. And so, but, but Jesus met him in that because he had that zealous heart. He had, so I, there again, I see the instinct in Paul, the pursuit of God in Paul, but it wasn't until he had that encounter with Jesus and he said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus began to reveal himself and then he took years to get to know him that was when this fruitful, incredible ministry, he wrote two-thirds in the New Testament. He started churches all around the world. You know, he raised up leadership. He did all this. We're we still benefiting now uh, from what he did. And I, you know, it was because he responded to that call. He allowed the time. He was faithful. He did what God gave him to do in between. And then when that point of separation came, he went. They went and they did it right. And they were, they honored their leadership and they, they did all of that. There's so much in that, that, that we can see. And again, we can look at other people. Elisha served Elijah and then there was, and he was called to that. And then there was the point of separation in his life. David, it was many years between the time David was anointed as, as king 
and he became king. And in that time, he was faithful to God. He took care of the sheep. He did whatever he needed to do. He took, and then he moved into his stuff and he served Saul. You know, so, so you can see this pattern uh, in, in all of these different people. And you can see this throughout, even, even Jesus' own ministry. He was born into the earth. He was the son of God, but it wasn't until that point of separation that the, that the father had designed where he was baptized by John the Baptist, came out of the river Jordan, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he went into his ministry. There was a point, there was a time for it. So I just think this is an important concept for us to get as we're trying to follow the Lord and help other people follow the Lord, especially those of us who believe that our lives are about the kingdom, that what we do is about the kingdom, that it's not just up to us to just do whatever we feel like doing and, you know, live our life and ask God to bless it. I mean, if we instead want to follow what he's calling and do what he's calling, these are important ideas to know and to just say yes to the little steps that he takes you through and then realize that there are going to come those points of separation, those points of being set apart to and stepping out into something more. Okay, let's pray and then we can talk. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray that tonight, Lord, just for those of us in this room, Father, that this would soak in tonight. Lord, I believe every person in this room, I know from your word that every person in this room has a call in their life from you. All of our callings are different. The path you have us on to fulfill those things is different. We go through stages of life and you call us to new things and you develop just to a fresh uh different development of the things that you have already established in us. And I just pray, Father, for those in this room and the rest of this church, that we would be a people who give ourselves to that pattern, give ourselves to the call of God on our lives, and that we give ourselves to faithfulness in the in-between time. And then, Lord, we step out into the things that you give us to do at the right time. And I also just pray, Lord, for myself, for Karen, for other leaders in this church, that we Lord, help us to recognize the, the, the calling on various people's lives and to help them to follow and, and fulfill that calling on their lives, Lord. That's what we should be birthing that in this place, Father. And I just thank you for it tonight. I thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.